Welcome, everybody, to The Big Cheese Show, AWTOP Fantasy Sports Experience. We talk betting and we talk DFS. It is the last really solid slate we've got going on the rest of the year. Yes, Super Bowl showdown is fine, but we do get a decent little player pool here, at least players from four teams. Joining me today from 106.7 The Fan, Brendan Dar, who is a DFS aficionado like myself. Brendan, what's good, brother? How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome, my friend. Let's get it on and pop in here. Let's build a lineup that's going to win us some nice money this weekend. Brendan, let me ask you, when you're starting roster construction, it is the norm for us DFS players to pick a quarterback, and then pick the wide receiver we're going to pair with, right? But I've heard from guys like Chris Raybon of the Action Network to find your value plays first, and then you can get your studs in. Do you have an approach when it comes to building a lineup? So, yes and no. Generally, I try to build off of the stack I want to use first. So, if there's a quarterback, like let's say Mahomes this week, I'm going to look at Mahomes, and then I'm going to look who I can pair him with. And on a short slate like this, you've got to get weird. And I mean, we're talking like not just Sammy Watkins weird. I hate him, but we're going to have to look yeah, at me too. But McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Blake Bell, like we're going to have to look at all of those guys and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to suck a little, but we're going to have to find creative stacks and find the best correlation we can possibly find. So you mentioned getting a little bit weird. Do I take it that you're going to be playing more tournaments this weekend? Do you play more cash? I'm personally in the playoffs. I get weird myself, and I'm pretty much only playing tournaments. So generally, I play cash and a little bit of GPP. I am this week and even last week on the four-game slates, I started to play more tournaments. Generally, I play a cash lineup, single entry lineup, and do three max as well. On this week, it's going to be a lot more 20 max. I'm not going to go full MME. I've tried it before. I'm just not good at it. So I know my limitations on that. So I'm going to experiment in some 20 max and see what I can do. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm in a single entry with 11,000, which I kind of hate because as you mentioned, you know, your Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey stack, which is very difficult to do to begin with, but like things like that, everybody's going to have that. So I remember when I talked to JSU Rab, like week two, he just said, you just have to sometimes be not afraid of fading the guys that are going to be the most owned on this slate. And let's start at the quarterback position. Got to believe Mahomes is going to be the highest owned quarterback here. But to me, I subscribe to the notion that it's Mahomes over everybody and, and he will be in all of my main lineups. What say you at quarterback? So if I were just sticking with my usual cash single entry three max this week, I would only have Mahomes. And I'm debating even doing it for 20 max. There's, I can see the case for Ryan Tannehill. If you think that the Chiefs get out to a big enough lead where the Titans are forced to actually throw the football, Tannehill makes the most sense. I, I hate Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I love his price, but I, I just... I don't see a, an explosion week from him. 
Same with Aaron Rodgers. That defense on San Francisco is so good, and he just locks on to Devontae Adams. So if I think I, I even am considering a Packers stack, it almost makes more sense just to go with Devontae Adams and just play Mahomes. I mean, it's not easy fitting in Mahomes stack and Adams, but there are ways to get creative with it. Speaking of Brendan Dar here of 106.7, the fan. Brendan, let's look at running backs now. Derrick Henry, 180 yards, three straight games now. I think the argument can be made of fading him in these large-scale tournaments because of the fact that a lot of people will be on him. And say Tennessee gets into a 14-0 hole, as you just mentioned, with Tannehill, why you like him. Is Derrick Henry getting pounded and getting the yardage where you need him to be at? I mean, in the passing game, he's been getting a little bit more involved, but still, he's not, you know, Aaron Jones upside in the passing game. So, Derrick Henry, do you see any way that you'd be fading him, or is he one of the studs you're getting in your lineup? So, running back is my hardest position to kind of figure out this week, mostly because of what you're talking about and also the San Francisco prices. I... I haven't played Derrick Henry yet in the playoffs. So I feel like I'm already down so much. Why not just try to not even worry about it? But at the same time, there's two games. Like you're going to have to play Derrick Henry uh, in some lineups. So to me, what it becomes is, do I go all in on Derrick Henry or do I just play a limited amount? And I, I can't see full fading him just because of what he's done so far. Like if you're playing in a single entry, he's probably going to be owned what, 60, 70%. Yeah. So uh, I can I, I I can see the argument for fading it. I just struggle with this week. I see six viable running backs. And if you're building 20 lineups, if you're building, if you're going full MME and going 150, you're obviously going to have some of all of them. To me, the tough decisions come down to Aaron Jones and then the San Francisco guys. Yeah. I, I, that's where I'm struggling this week. So one thing that I liked about green Bay is Aaron Jones had, what was it? 50 snaps in the game last week compared to Jamal Williams who had just nine. I mean, I was on Jamal Williams last week because I was trying to, I guess, pick the guy there who is still involved in the passing game. It was we thought considered to be a 50-50 split, but maybe Williams is dealing with an injury or something like that. I know he's had the shoulder injury, so they're scaling him back a little bit like that. So I I don't see myself going to a guy like Jamal Williams. I'll tell you who a value running back that I'm potentially looking at, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Matt Breida. Now, I say that because his price is so low. I don't know that people are going to totally go back to Tevin Coleman, but it's going to be between Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert, right? I just don't see people going to Breida. And it could totally blow up. Breida could maybe not play. But Shanahan is unpredictable. Breda gets a couple of nice runs. He's had the performances in the past when he's been healthy or not healthy where he's been good. So Matt Breda, would he be somebody that you'd consider to differentiate? Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically if you're going full punt at running back, you're either looking at Breda, Lewis, maybe Tyler Irving. And out of those three, I'd probably feel most comfortable with Breda. We've at least seen blow up weeks from him. There's, you know, the thought out there that he's more of the passing down guy, but I mean, he's not like none of them are really getting a ton of passing work. I would, I would feel most comfortable with him out of the three real value guys. Mm -hmm. But again, that system with Shanahan, 
any one of them could have a big game. So it's just differentiating between the three of them, probably not having a lot, but I'll probably have some. A.J. Brown, somebody, if you're going to be uh, using Ryan Tannehill in a couple lineups that you consider, I think the matchup he has with Traverius Ward uh, could be advantageous for A.J. Brown this week. If you're picking a Tennessee pass catcher, who are you going with? Yeah, I'm with you on A.J. Brown. Uh, that price on DraftKings at 5200 it's it's too low, and it's basically begging you to take him. And I am – I'm going to oblige DraftKings. Thank you. <laughs> Tight end position. I think we've got th- – well, no. Jimmy Graham is somebody that I've gotten in a couple of lineups here already because of the fact that it's Devontae Adams almost and everybody else in that Packers offense. There's some Geronimo Allison sprinkled in. I don't know what kind of condition Lazard's going to be in. And I think Graham gives you a little bit of salary relief playing him at tight end. Um Johnu Smith, I, I want to play. I just I don't want like a ton of Tennessee pass catchers. If it's going to be one, it's going to be AJ Brown. So your tight end strategy this week, where are you headed? I kind of agree with you on the Tennessee situation. I'm not really sure if I want more than one of them. Uh, if I did want a second, I think I'd want Johnu over Corey Davis. I'm not sure how you feel about that. And then- I'm okay with it. I don't think Corey Davis, honestly tournaments I'd rather roll out Khalif Raymond again because he's their deep threat and I don't think Corey Davis is catching any 60-yard bombs I could be wrong but I'd rather get the salary savings on a guy like that in a tournament yeah and I don't feel comfortable at all with Adam Humphreys and not really with Tajay Sharp either right I, I think if I'm going to go with a secondary piece it's going to be Johnny Smith the same thing at tight end like there's Kelsey Kittle and then a huge drop off to Graham and Johnny. I don't really uh, – I'm not a big fan of Graham this week. I, I see a lot of my ownership going to Kelsey, Kittle, and Johnny, and, and then maybe sprink, sprinkling some Blake Bell in. Uh, yeah, that's probably mm, No one will be on Blake Bell. And you mentioned Tyler Irvin before. I think those are two value plays that they could do nothing or they could find their way into the end zone and have 2% ownership. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely zeros waiting to happen, but if they – if you put them in your lineup and it allows you to get something else, like if it allows you to not compromise a Mahomes stack. So you go, let's say Mahomes, uh, Hill and Kelsey, and then you use, you know, uh, Tyler Irvin at one of your running back spots. I mean, you're looking at a zero that, that should be the expectation. Mm -hmm. But if it allows you to get more playmakers in your lineup, I can see the validity in it. I it's, it's something I'm struggling with on such a short slate. Let's round it out with defense here, Brendan. Talk about where you're going in that direction. The lineups I have made have strictly been San Francisco 49ers defense just because of the fact that I like that they are number two past DVOA. And Richard Sherman, even though he won't be shadowing Devontae Adams, I think that taking away half the field Really, wherever Adams lines up, I don't expect him to explode like he did against Seattle. And the other three defenses, I just don't feel comfortable enough playing. So where are you headed in the defense? Yeah, it's not fun to agree on everything, but that's <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, it's 49ers on uh, DraftKings, and then I was looking at FanDuel prices as well. I'll probably go Chiefs on forty uh, on uh, FanDuel. I, I, it's not you know, fun to agree, but here we are. I think that's probably the smartest strategy. Let's round it out, Brendan, not talking so much about the uh, lineups that we're going to build. 
this weekend, but rather a hot topic in our DFS community. You follow a number of the people that I do, and you know all about the draft cheat and Randone boxing match coming up here, and it seemed to take in a little bit of a lighter tone this week, but there has been no payout on that Millie Maker, and we are now entering, what, two weeks away? Do you see them getting paid out? Do you see this process being dragged out here? And what do you kind of think should be the outcome? So I think the outcome should be that they should not get paid. I agree. I agree. And I don't know what the punishment is. Maybe just banned for life. That's probably what I would do. But at the same time, like, it's so hard to prove in court that they did it. And if you are going to that extreme of banning them and not paying them out, you have to be absolutely sure when it comes time to go to court, because they will take you to court yeah. and it will hold up. So ultimately I do think they at least get paid out, maybe just under the table or something. That's, I mean, that's a galaxy brain take. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just don't see any way that you can maintain this air of there's nothing going on here even though there are rumors, speculation, that it happens all the time. And I don't know. Like, I, I don't see any way how you could pay them out and that be it. No punishment at all. It's like speeding, right? Like, we all speed and people, you know, sometimes get caught. And you can't say that, oh, well, other people are speeding, so I'm doing it too, and it should be okay. I know that's kind of a simple analogy, uh, but I just think that, there is enough evidence out there with pictures and whatnot that it can be something that uh, if DraftKings does want to make a, take a stand here and show to lesser players like myself, we're not playing 150 lineups that we have integrity in our contests and we want you to participate in stuff like the Millie Maker. Because right now I won't even play the Millie Maker. I mean, I won't, I yeah. won't, I won't play these contests that you're allowed 150 max entries because of the track record. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played the Millie all year. I think I won like one ticket in week one and I haven't played since. I, it's not really for that reason. It's just such a luck box. Like, yeah. The odds of you winning are so small that I, in that contest, this is the other problem where there are so many entries. And in that contest, like they had to make such negative EV lineups in order to win that it's kind of tough to be upset about it. Like you got 300 out of 190,000 lineups, like your odds of winning are just so small, but at the same time for all the other contests, the three maxes, the single entries, all that stuff, you don't want people playing the same lineup in that. So I see the bigger issue. It's just, man, it's so frustrating. The entire thing is frustrating and everybody like making jokes about it like they should be paid out and it's not a big deal. I mean, it's kind of a big deal to everybody that's not a pro DFS player. I couldn't agree more. Let's end on a higher note here, Brendan, then talking about uh, some of the shittiness of us not winning the Millie Maker. Um, <laughs> the seven-point dog that you think has a better chance to cover, I know that it is seven in Kansas City, seven and a half in San Francisco. Um, which do you think Tennessee – or Green Bay has a higher likelihood of covering? I would say Tennessee, but only slightly. Uh, I mean, I don't really think either has a good chance of covering. Uh, I also really just want Kansas City to win for 
my sanity for everybody's viewing enjoyment in the Super Bowl. I just want Kansas City to win, but even still, I do think Tennessee's got the better chance to hang with. Thanks so much to Brendan Dorr of 106.7 The Fan here in D.C. for joining me on the Big Cheese Show. Now we switch gears to Saturday's slate in college hoops. On a new segment, my old friend, WTOP's Dave Preston, joined me on starting five in the DMV. Dave, let's start with our point guard. Maryland, a tough loss to Wisconsin this past week. Dave, that's a game they should have won. Do you expect them to have negative feelings and some carryover from that loss? Or do you think this is a team that's a veteran squad with guys like Anthony Cowan? Do you think they are able to bounce back against this Purdue squad? I think they'll bounce back against Purdue, but I think Purdue's going to be a very tough test. Uh, Tavian Williams inside is going to be a challenge. Also, uh, Maryland has not started well in just about every single one of its games. Uh, So they need to get off to a good start. Uh, Saturday's game time's at 2 as opposed to noon, so there's minimal chance for them to be kind of sleepwalking their way through. Purdue is number 2 in the Big Ten in turnover margin. That means they cause a lot of miscues. Maryland is not the best at taking care of the basketball. They're also the worst shooting team in the Big Ten. We're going to have another low-scoring game Saturday afternoon in College Park. I wouldn't be surprised to see Purdue come into College Park, into Xfinity Center, sneak out with the win. They looked very good in their Sunday smackdown of previously unbeaten in the conference Michigan State. Dave, you've been covering Georgetown all year. Yurt 7, a huge game the other day in their win. So the Hoyas... Maybe moving in the opposite direction of Maryland, albeit they're not on the same talent level. Taking on Marquette, that is also a 2 o'clock start. Do you think the Hoyas can keep their momentum going? Big question is, can they defend it? And can they get to 80 points? Bobby Bancroft of the Associated Press brought up a great point the other night. When Georgetown fails to get to 80 points in Big East play, they're 3-12, and 12, or th- I think 3-22. and 22. When they do get to 80 points in Big East play, they're much better, maybe 15-7. and seven. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but there's a huge difference. And the question is, can they defend? Marcus Howard leads the Big East in scoring 27 points per game. Uh, Georgetown leads the Big East in scoring. They also give up the most points. Marquette is the best three-point shooting team in the conference. Georgetown with a thinner bench. They only have seven guys who really play. They're going to be tested this Saturday by the Golden Eagles. Yeah, Georgetown, just like St. John's, kind of plays a frenetic pace there. Not falling into the Big Ten-itis. Not that they play in the Big Ten, but I, I've heard that term been thrown around going back to Maryland and how they have the talent to score points, yet they're stuck in this 50-60 number. Not um, ideal. George Mason, that was a pretty bad loss to GW. Or was it? Is this GW team kind of coming along? Uh, that's my first question. Right. GW not playing, but we are talking about George Mason taking on Richmond. So was this loss that George Mason had the GW more indicative of GW doing better or the Patriots after their nice start not looking so great? I, I think the Patriots, uh, Mason's in kind of a, a tailspin right now. They've lost four of five. Uh, were they as good as the 11 and uh, the 11 and two team entering uh, a10 play? No, but they're much better than the team that's one and four right now inside the conference. They need to get things together. It's going to be a tough test this Saturday because they play a Richmond team that has already equaled their win total from last season. They had, The Spiders have been consistently good over the last 20 years. Yeah, they They've have. had a couple of uncharacteristically uh, off-point seasons. This year, they've got a guy by the name of Blake Francis who averages 18 points per game. Uh, 
they'll provide a very tough test for George Mason this Saturday. But then again, there's no better place to play or watch a basketball game in the DMV than Eagle Bank Arena with Doc Nix and the Green Machine. Should be a great day for A-10 basketball. Yeah, I watched that Richmond game when they played the other night against Dayton. Just really a complete effort on the Spiders' part, no doubt about it. American, they just had themselves. They, I feel like American, I cover them on Saturdays. Right. They're always playing close games. They're yes. never really blown out this year. Holy Cross, I remember this is a matchup, a rematch from a couple of years ago. They met in the Patriot League um, tournament after the regular season. Now they're playing this Saturday, 4 o'clock. Do you think the Eagles beat the Crusaders? I think the Eagles do uh, have a very good shot to beat uh, Holy Cross this Saturday. The uh, Crusaders, an uncharacteristically bad season. I think they're 2-16 and 16 mm. or something along those lines. They're last in the conference in turnover margin. AU, uh, yes, AU, meanwhile, led by Saeed Nelson. And they will go as he goes. He was the preseason Patriot League Player of the Year. He delivered the game-winning shot in their victory at George Washington. This is a chance for AU to have, to get a little bit of separation. They've not been this good when you look at uh, how they played uh, from January through March in the Patriot League under Coach Mike Brennan since, I think, his first or second year. So a great opportunity for them to move up above the middle class of the Patriot League. It, it's a it's a tight 10-team uh, conference, and uh, they should emerge victorious this Saturday. You never know, though, with the Crusaders coming to town, but AU should take a step forward towards uh, Patriot League title contention. The final game we're talking about on starting five in the DMV with Presto and Big Chi is Duke. Got to go on... with the bigs. Got to go with the bigs for the fifth spot. Yes. Well, you got to go with the Duke Blue Devils yes. maybe, Dave, bouncing back yeah. after a bad loss to Clemson. Or was it such a bad loss? You know, a lot of times these teams, middle of the season, Maybe they don't get up for these opponents as much. Maybe the Clemson basketball team said, we're going to avenge our football team. Yeah. Um, how do you see Duke bouncing back after this loss against a number 11, pretty tough Louisville team? How would you like to beat Clemson this year, a basketball fan? Because you know that you're always second tier to Clemson football, and you win at North Carolina on a Saturday. You've never won in Chapel Hill ever. Overtime win there. Then you beat Duke on Tuesday and sandwiching a tough loss for Clemson football. So you're all excited, whereas I'd say 98% of the fan base is morose. I think uh, an angry Duke is not a team that I want to face, mm -hmm. especially down there at Cameron Indoor. I think uh, the Blue Devils reassert themselves as the best team in the ACC. I think it's Duke, then a lot of teams that are range from really good to really fair. Virginia Tech's one of those schools that's won three straight. UVA is one of those schools that has lost three straight. But I think Duke is the class of the conference, and they'll prove that Saturday night. Starting five in the DMV with Presto and Big Chi. Dave, I'll see you courtside. There you have it. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's edition of the Big Chi Show. Please, 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 I'm begging you, subscribe on iTunes. It would make a bros weekend. Music in this episode by Griff Campbell and John Newman. Big Chi out. Dominate DFS and your bets this weekend.